In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all. Amen. Friends, we are a culture, or part of a culture, that loves superheroes. Every year, we put a ton of money into the superhero industry, much to the joy of companies like Marvel and DC. And I counted, and during my time with you since last July, until now, at least seven superhero movies have hit the big screen. Not to mention, all of the TV shows, all of the action figures, all of the pajamas that have hit shelves and screens in that time. So it's a lot. And it kind of feels like superheroes are everywhere we look. And don't get me wrong, superheroes are awesome. Superman, Wonder Woman, Black Panther, etc. They're sweet, and they have awesome powers and abilities, and they use them for the benefit of the greater good and to defeat evil. So don't worry, I'm not trying to ruin superheroes for you today. <laughs> but I have found myself asking myself recently, why, as a community, do we love superheroes so much? What is it about these franchises and these people that are so interesting to us? Now, I can't answer that for you, but here's what I think. I think that in a big, scary, confusing world, the idea of superheroes makes us feel safe and makes us feel like we have some control. Not because we think that superheroes are real, but because superheroes make us feel like good and evil are easy categories that make sense to us. That some people are good, that some people are evil, and that's that. And that is a convenient worldview that provides order to us in the midst of chaos, and it means that it's easy to destroy evil. You just have to get the bad guy. And remember, in this worldview, conveniently, we are never the bad guy. We like the idea of power, and we like the idea of glory, and we love the idea that somebody could use those things to vanquish evil. Because it feels good to live in a world that makes sense, and it feels good to live in a world where we have clear enemies. To feel like some people deserve saving, and other people deserve defeat, and that's that. That's why today's reading, that's Paul's letter to the Philippians, can create some discomfort for us. Because even though we know how the story of God's love for this world goes, and even though we know who God is, and how God works, and how God doesn't work, we still live in a society that pours its energy into lifting up superheroes. And I'm not just talking about Green Lantern and Iron Man. I did my homework for this. <laughs> every day, every single one of us try really desperately to pour our energy into people that we think have the power to destroy evil in our world. Whether that is the president or our elected officials or our community leaders, or our teachers, or our parents, or our spouses, or our friends. 
we have big expectations for the people around us. And because of that, we end up spending a lot of time disappointed and frustrated and overwhelmed. Because superheroes aren't real. Those people are just as human as we are. In today's reading, Paul crafts a letter to the Philippians. And this community that he's writing to is used to having power. This is a place that's filled with retired military officials, with business owners, with people who have influence in their world. And it's to these people, these people just like us, who want to believe in a simple world where there's good and there's evil, and we're holding on to your power provides hope. It's to those people that Paul tells the story of who God is. He tells them the story about how the God who knows us better than anyone and who has knit us into being is actually a self-demoting God. A God who, rather than choosing glory and power, chooses to be born as a tiny baby in human likeness and chooses to live and breathe among us, who dances with us and then dies with us at the hands of human power. Friends, we've heard this story plenty often. We've spent all of 2018 from Christmas to Easter to now hearing that story. But even though we hear it pretty often, and even though we might know it by heart, our culture is loud. So the idea that we worship a God who gives up power for the sake of being vulnerable can kind of sound like bad news to us. Because who needs a God like that? Who needs a God who doesn't come to the aid of powerless humans or use power and glory to defeat evil and save the day and make this world finally safe? We live in a world that loves power, loves importance, loves dominance, And the Philippians lived in that world, too. A world where authority was established by victory. They were surrounded by monuments that signaled Rome's military victory, by coins that had the faces of their leaders on them. And we know that today, too, right? We're surrounded by symbols of importance and dominance, by monuments that remind us how powerful the country we live in is, by banners and trophies and plaques that remind us how dominant our schools and institutions are, by diplomas and transcripts and cars and houses that remind us how powerful we are. And like I said earlier, we want the world to follow simple rules for good and evil to be easily distinguished. I want to know that I'm good and someone else is bad and God has the power to deal with that. We want the world to make sense because it makes us feel safer. But we all know, friends, that that is not how this world works. We don't live in a world with simple categories. We live in a world where we are surrounded by people who are made in the image of God. Look around you right now. We are surrounded by the image of God We live in a world that God has looked at and called so very good. 
But we also live in the midst of brokenness that permeates all of that good stuff. This place that we live in is complicated. We give thanks for nature, and then we pollute it without thinking twice. We give thanks for diversity, but then we cling to all those isms and categories that make it feel like there's order in the midst of difference. We love our friends and family dearly, and then when we have a hard day, they're the first ones that we lash out at. In a world where we have all been called good by God and yet are all wrapped in brokenness too, a superhero can't save us because there is no clear enemy. There is no clear person who deserves saving or deserves defeat because this place is messy and broken. So, living in a world where superheroes can't help us, it is a good thing that that is not how our God works. God doesn't fly in and save or defeat us depending on our qualifications, thank God. Our God isn't one who builds monuments to her glory and power. In fact, the only monument that we have of our God is one that looks a lot like defeat. The monument that we have of God is this cross, is the cross. This monument is one of humility that reminds us of the fact that God loves us so much that God becomes one of us. Reminds us that even though empire and worldly power can be really, really scary, God isn't afraid of it. Even though we can feel terrified and experience deep suffering in this world, God isn't scared. God's not afraid of power that's wielded to hurt people. God's not afraid of all of our attempts to reject God. God isn't afraid of our bitterness. God is not afraid of our brokenness. This cross, this monument to who God is, is a place of deep humility and is a place of God's care for us to the point of death. And this cross is a reminder that nothing can stop God. Even death on a cross isn't enough to separate us from God. It's not enough to keep God from pouring out love and new life and resurrection and hope. This monument reminds us that after Jesus ascends back into heaven, then he gets set free to live everywhere among us, set free to be with us every single place we go. Because God is a God who dwells with us and cries with us, and suffers with us, and loves with us. So in a broken, scary, and confusing world where we are desperate for some clarity and some help, God hangs with us. In the waters of baptism that Claire got washed in this morning, God whispers, you are mine, and I'm not finished with you yet. And then God knits us together as a community that's good, and that's messy, and that's broken, and that's complicated, and that has the promise of grace and the hope of relationship to rely on. Friends, this monument up here, this is the only one that really matters for us. 
And it's one that goes with you every single place you go, for in baptism this monument has been traced on your forehead and etched on your very being. This monument lives in you and on you, and it reminds us that we've been wrapped into a story of humility and bound together by this love that is poured out for us in a moment of care and humility and vulnerability. And at that font, God crafts us, washes us, loves us, and calls us to live in response to the care that's been given to us. So the really good news is this. That even though we're human, our baptism has made it possible for us to be made one in Christ. Has made it possible for us to care for one another wholly and humbly. Has made it possible for us to relinquish all of those categories that we cling to. And in the words of Thomas Merton, to love others without stopping to inquire whether or not they are worthy. For friends in Christ, we have all, all been called worthy of love, of relationship, and of care. Thanks be to God.